Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing? Man, we had a great men's event on two. I shouldn't say that. I'm not a biologist. But if you know, you know. If you get it, you get it. I ain't saying no more. <laughs> but no, we did have a great men's event, and uh, we were uh, excited. There were five men indicated they prayed to receive Christ, so we're excited about that. And a uh, great time. Appreciate all the work from our, our men's ministry team. Um, they did a great job, and uh, we had a great night. Um, we are continuing our series in Romans, and um, today we're going to talk about something everybody loves to talk about, and that's trials and difficulties in life. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the thing about those difficult times in life is that really they have the power to shape you a lot more than the successes. I mean, and many times it's the difficult times in life, the trials in, in life that prepare us and set up some of the greatest blessings we experience and some of the greatest victories. And so I want us to talk about, the Bible talks, you know, one of the things that's kind of annoying to me, I'm just going to be honest, over and over again, the Bible talks about rejoicing during difficult times. And that's a difficult thing to do, isn't it? I mean, I don't know anybody that just a wave of joy floods over them whenever they have a problem. You know, some of those things are just, you know, things that happen momentarily. Some are trials, and those are things that take place over a period of time, you know, where there's, there's a really a... a, a a portion of our life where things can be really difficult. But the fact is that those times can do more than anything else to shape us in the image of Jesus, to build our faith, to give us a stronger faith, and then also to reveal faith. One of the things that trials do is they reveal our faith. You know, I've seen people, I know you have too, that would profess to know Christ, but the first time a trial comes along, boom, they're escaping, whether it's in drugs, alcohol, or something else. They're finding some way to get away from the pressure of it. But those that lean into Jesus during that time of trials and difficulties, God does amazing things in our lives and through us during those times. And so we're in Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 3 through 12. <clears throat> and if you turn there, and please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Therefore, since we have been made... Oh, I'm sorry, I started in the wrong verse. Verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. When we were utterly helpless... Christ came, Christ came at the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, although someone might be willing, might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. 
So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, there's a, there's a lot in this passage of Scripture. And one of the things that I, I want us to get to in the beginning is, you know, it, one of the essences of being able to get through a trial is to have hope. And one of the things that we need to see from this passage is that hope does not disappoint. Hope will not disappoint us. And there are different kinds of hope. You know, when we go through certain trials, maybe our hope is that, that we're going to experience heaven. You know, when we, when we lose someone that, that we love here on this earth, we have hope that this is not the end, that this, this world and our time here is not the end, that those of us who are in Christ are going to be reunited in heaven. So there's that long-term hope. And then for some of us, we go through difficulties right here, and the hope is that God will lead us to victory through it, that God somehow is going to, even though the, the odds seem stacked against us, even though it doesn't seem likely, even though things look bad, that God will bring us victory through it. And then sometimes the hope is just that God will see us through, that he's going to sustain us even through some of the most difficult things that might come to us. But there's always hope. And how we choose to respond to that is one of the most important choices that you're going to make in life. Because the trials and the difficulties and how you choose to go through those who you choose to hang on to, what you choose to trust is going to define your life more than any of your victories and successes. And as a matter of fact, without those things, you're going to miss out on a lot of victories and successes. Now, Lane, I'm just telling you, don't you be drinking my Mountain Dew. I, I got half a Mountain Dew down there. All right, because I'm going to need that for the next service. All right, man. I know I can trust you. Y'all know, don't mess with my Mountain Dew. I'm just saying, I love y'all. Don't do it. All right. So, hope will not disappoint. It says in Romans 8, 24 and 25, we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. And that's the thing about hope. Hope is forward. Hope is always forward. It's something that, that we are trusting God to do that we haven't fully received yet. So if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. If we already have something, we don't need hope for it. But when we have to look forward, that's where hope comes into play. And you know, have you ever been around somebody and you're just like, man, this, is a, this person's a person's a hope. They, they just are marked by hope. You know what? As believers, and I get it, some people are, are a little more sunshiny than others. I understand that. But we should all be marked with hope. We should all be known as people of hope. If we got Jesus, what else do we need? We ought to be known as people of hope. So here's the thing. I get it. There are uncertain days that we're in the middle of. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of amazed as much as some of y'all are. I've never seen things that are happening like they are right now. And you could sit around all day, oh my gosh, this is going to happen, and then that's going to happen, and then that's going to happen. Or we can choose to be a people of hope. You know, here, here's, guess what? 
God doesn't need a good economy to take care of you. You know that? God doesn't need to have the greatest government officials in the world to take care of you. God doesn't need everybody in front of you. He doesn't need this. He doesn't need, he doesn't need anything to deliver you, to sustain you, and to grow you into the image of Jesus. So no matter what happens, you still belong to a faithful God who never fails. You know, we look all the time, win loss records. Oh, you know, this, I mean, I love sports. I'm, I'm, I understand. And we count wins and losses. Hey, I was the guy when they had blast ball, and they said, there's no score, they're just having fun. We get in the car at the end of it, I'd say, y'all lost by three runs. I, can't, I kept score. Because that's why you play the games, all right? Now, here, here's the deal. So we're all in the score, but if you really want to know score, guess who, guess what? God, our Father, is like 43 million and O. He has never lost a battle. He has never lost a person. He never loses. So why in the world would we choose not to hope, no matter what it looks like ahead of us? Be hopeful. Hope will not disappoint. Hope in God will never disappoint you. Hey, hope in people? We should, but sometimes you're going to get disappointed. Hope in the Rangers? You get disappointed a lot. Everything in between? There's disappointments. But when you hope in God, you'll never be disappointed. Now, here's something that's really important. In, in James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, here's something. When, when that says, consider it an opportunity for great joy, that means making a, con a conscious choice, doesn't it? You know, when you come into tough times, you got to make a choice. Your choices are going to be, am I, am I really going to trust God? Or am I going to try to fix it, and then when that doesn't work, I'm going to bail. I'm going to figure out, I'm going I'm to get away from it. Or are you going to trust him? Here's part of the deal. There's a saying, you hear it in all kinds of areas, but outlook determines outcome. Okay. Just because you're a believer going through a difficult time does not automatically mean that all these good things are going to happen, okay? Here's the problem with it, is you're either going to choose to be a whiner or a winner. And there's been, well, this is so much worse than what happens to other people. Why does this always happen to me? You're either going to whine about it or you're going to trust God. Now, I get it. Sometimes there's a, there's a moment, there's a little bit of mourning at the beginning, but you better turn that around. You know what? I bet you know some people too. I know people that are still mourning or grieving or whining about stuff that happened to them 30 years ago. Don't, do you, you do too, don't you? And as a matter of fact, after a while, you're like, dude, I do not want to hear your horrible story about what happened to you 30 years ago and how, how unfair it was and how blah, blah, blah. Move on. 
That's not winning. That's just whining. And as believers, we got a choice. You know what winning is? Is trusting in Jesus. I can look back now, and there were some things, there were some rough moments. And there were even some times on the surface where it looked like a defeat. And yet God turned it into victory. And you want to know why I'm able to claim that victory now? It's because I trusted him even when it looked like a defeat. And over a period of time, I began to see that what I thought was defeat was God moving and doing something that I wouldn't have, you probably couldn't have got me to do any other way. And it brought me to a place of great victory. That's one of the greatest, one of the greatest verses in the Bible is Romans 8.31. He works all things to good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He works all things to good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to make something clear here. It doesn't say nearly all things. It doesn't say most things. It says all things. And if you trust God and hang on to him, even when you don't get the outcome that you thought you wanted, you may look back and see some bad... I'm not saying everything's good, and that verse isn't either. You know, after spending nearly our whole lives, my wife and I, not being able to live near either one of our parents, her mom finally moved up here a few years ago. And we got like two or three years with her living here, and then she got cancer, and she, she passed pretty quickly. And that was not a good thing. That was, that was, it, it, that wasn't, there's no way you call that fun. And that was a deep loss. But you know what? Now looking back, I can see how God worked through that and made some good things happen. And it doesn't mean that, it doesn't take away from the fact that that was a tragic loss for us. Now we, all, we always had that hope that we're going to see her again. But here's the thing. Even since then, we've been able to see how God worked through her life. She worked in my life. God worked in my life through my mother-in-law. She was a blessing. And so now I can look back and I can see some of the blessings that came as a result of that. But you won't see those unless you're holding on to God in faith. And your outlook on things is going to determine how much of the outcome you get to see. You can sit around and going about, woe is me, the world's against me, everybody hates me, I'm going to go eat worms or whatever. But if you choose to trust God, you'll see some victories. You know, the entire book of Job is about Job going one, through one thing after another. He lost all his family, all his, all his children. He had unbelievable wealth. And man, these messengers were just coming one after another. Hey, you lost all your camels. Hey, you lost all your livestock. Hey, you lost all this. Lost everything. And then he's got boils all over his body. Lost his health. And he's outside. The only thing he didn't lose was his wife. And he's outside rubbing, the, rubbing this ashes all over these boils. And his wife comes up and says, Job, apparently she had the gift of encouragement. She says, why don't you just curse God and die? And walked off. 
He got to keep her though, apparently. <laughs> but you know what happened after that? God restored everything that had been lost. Tenfold. And you know, here's the thing. Even when he was in the midst of what had to have been, I mean, a, a, a day beyond... He had like 10 kids and they were all killed in a, in a home that collapsed in one day. All of them at once. He's sitting there trying to get just some kind of physical relief for the agony that he's in. And you know what he did the, the entire time? He praised God. And he never turned his back on him that whole time. And as a result, he got to see God work in the aftermath. Because sometimes God does his best work in the aftermath. And you know what? We want to see victory, and there, there's a lot of that too. God's a God of victory. But even when we don't see it the way we want it to, God's will is still going to be done. And there's still going to be good coming out of it. But we have to choose. We have to choose that we're going to trust him. And we have to choose that we're going to hang on to him. You know, one of the most, it was the most difficult, it was also the most life-changing thing in our life was we were going through an adoption and the adoption was contested. And it took nine, eight or nine months to get it finished, to finally get in front of a judge after nine months to have a trial. And our, our attorneys told us at the beginning that we had a 95% chance of losing. And I, there were a lot of incredibly stressful days through that. You know, of every day taking your, your, ch your child's there with you and wondering if someday you're going to have to hand them over to somebody else and walk away. I mean, that was, I wasn't sure if we could do that. But here's what I... Decided. I, we started, I started fasting and praying. Once a week, I'd fast all day and pray nearly all day, seeking an answer, asking God to, to do what only he could do. And it was weeks before I got an answer. And in those weeks, one of the things that really hit me, I felt like God was asking me, okay, what if you don't get this? What if I don't answer this prayer request like you want? What are you going to do then? And I made the decision during that time, you know, I, I said it out loud, and I said, you know what, God, even if this doesn't work, and even if we're just, we're so damaged, we're worthless after this, I will continue to serve you, and I'll continue to love you, and I will never quit. And that was one of the most significant moments in my life. Because surrender To, to God, to His will, and to His way is necessary for strength, it's necessary for courage, and it's what brings you hope. And I said, God, we're going to trust you. We're not going to quit. We're not going to stop. Even if this turns out the worst possible way, we're going to keep following you. And you have to choose. You know what? Jesus told us... I, I, I'm not trying to tell you that that was some kind of big major deal I did because here's the deal. 
Jesus told us that's what was required. He said, anyone who follows me must take up their cross daily. Now, we got crosses now. We wear them around our necks and there's nothing wrong with that. But the cross Jesus was talking about is the one you die on. He said, you, every day you got to get up and die to self. And you know what? Here's one of the reasons why a lot of believers never get beyond a certain point in their spiritual growth is because they refuse to die to self. Yeah, I'm following God. I'm, I'm ready for the blessings. But they ain't ready to die. They're not ready to take up their cross and die to self. They're not ready to say, hey, you know what? If this means it's going to wreck something that I really wanted, but it's, it's, God will use it to bless somebody else, then so be it. you got to determine at some point whether you're really surrendered to the Lord or not. If there's something where you say, well, if this happened, I just don't know if I could keep following God, then guess what? You ain't really committed. That's the deal. You know, I've known too many people that use following God as a good luck charm. They're all about praying and they want God to to grant them favor, and they want this and they want that, but they're not willing to yank up that cross every day and die. And you can't have one without the other. Philippians 2, 4 through 8, don't look out only for your own interests. Take an interest in others. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God is something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. The attitude that we as believers are called to take is that others are more important than we are. And I get it, that goes 100% against our nature. 100%. But that's part of it. Don't look out only for your own interests. Here's the other part of it, uh, that you got to understand. Anytime you go through a trial, somebody else is watching or seeing. You know, some of the first trials that I went through, I drew a lot on people that I knew and loved of having watched how they went through difficult times. I, I saw how people dealt with things that were beyond my, my imagining at the time. I saw how my parents went through difficult times. I saw how good friends and other believers and people that I respected went through tough times. I can see in the Scripture how Paul and how Peter and how others went through difficulties. And you know what? That gives you a blueprint, but you still got to follow it. That gives you a beginning point, but you have to choose to go that same route. And the thing is, 
that when you choose to go through it, there's somebody that's going to be watching. Maybe it's just your kids. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's a lot of people. They're going to watch and see how you go through it. And you're laying down a blueprint for somebody else to walk in faith through a difficult time. And that is one of the greatest gifts you can give is to show somebody else how to do it. Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, he's talking about all the difficult things that are about to happen. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. You know, as I was seeking the answer in that, in that case, there came a point, and it was weeks and months into it, where God gave me an answer and said, I'm going to take care of it. It's going to be fine. You're going to win this case. And he, he spoke to me. And I, you know, I'm like, God, all right, I want to make sure this is right, God. And I kept, and, and here's the deal. Once I knew there was an answer, I had peace. And I just, I, I slept like a rock. I didn't worry about it when people came and talked to me. You know, before I'd probably been anxious, but from that point on, I was like, it's all good. Now, I'm going to tell you what happens when you get peace in the middle of, of a calm like that. There are going to be some believers that are going to be encouraged, and then there's going to be some that are going to think you're crazy in a June bug. They're going to think you lost it. And there were some of them that thought, thought I lost it. And they were, they were man, that, that poor Brian, I don't know what he's thinking, but when he loses that, we're going to have to put him in the loony bin. And let me tell you how, that part got a little worse. Because I felt like God told me, he said, I've given you an answer. Don't you wait until all this is over to tell people I've given you an answer. You tell them now when it ain't happened yet. So here's what I did. I got up in front of our whole church. And not only were we the largest church in the area, we broadcast live over like eight counties. I mean, we were one of the most watched broadcasts. I was an associate at the time. And so I got up and I said, hey, everybody in our church knew what we were going through because there wasn't no hiding it, and we let it out there anyway. And I just said, God's given me a promise. This is going to be all right. We're going to win this. And they were like, is he nuts? Has he lost it? Is it over? Now, some of, them, some of them believed this. But they were, and I'm not, they weren't doing this out of meanness. They were concerned because they knew what a devastating thing it was going to be if we, if we didn't win. But I'm telling you, for that moment on, I had peace. I didn't worry about it again. And then when it was all over, I just took our, our baby up on the stage and I said, let me introduce you to our baby. And she will forever be our baby. It is set in stone because God decided it. And that was after the case was over. And that was all I said. And see, here's the thing. It, is that's one of the ways that you bless other people when you're going through it. It's when God gives you an answer, be willing to stand for it. Now, don't do wishful thinking answers. You understand what I'm saying? You don't get to, God, God ain't going to, oh, well, he said it, so I'm, I'm going to go with what he said it, it don't work like that. I'm, I'm talking about you make sure you got a word from God. 
But when you get a word from God, you stand on it, be bold in it, and move on. And that, that doesn't happen in every circumstance, trust me. There have been plenty of other times where I didn't know. I was just trusting God in the dark, just like sometimes you have. And that's a lot of times what we got to do is trust God in the dark. Trust that he knows what he's doing and trust that the light will shine. Don't be surprised, 1 Peter 4.12, at fiery trials you were going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. You know, looking back, that experience brought me closer to the Lord than anything else I've ever been through. Period. And that's what trials can do when you choose to hang on to Jesus through it. Is it can bring you closer to the Lord than you ever were before. And you know what? There have been trials that have happened since then, but all of them were like, this ain't no thing. Now, there were some difficult ones in there, but let me tell you, none of them have seemed as big a deal as that one. And the other part of it is, I saw God work. I saw God make a miracle happen. I saw God deliver. And so you know what? The next ones that came along, I was like, okay. This looks tough, but guess what? Our God is now 43 million and one and oh. So we're ready for this. And the more you go through those and the more you stick with him through them, the more faith you have for the next one and the stronger you are. And there's a reason why that word endurance is used so much. Endurance is one of the keys. You know, you see it in every aspect of life. It's not always the person that had the most talent or was the, the, the brightest or what it's the person that endured to the end. The Bible talks about that a lot in Revelation. To those who endure, we'll be given the crown of victory. To those who endure, to those who endure, to those who endure. You know what endurance means? It just means not having any quit in you. And you know what? If you quit on something in the past, choose from this day forward that you're going to endure. And endurance has a reward. You know, through the years, I've seen a lot of people that were part of this church. I've seen a lot of people in my life. I've seen a lot of people in ministry that for whatever reason peeled off at some point. But the ones that endure, they get to see God do things that, nobody, that other people dream about and never witness. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. You get to see things. And it, it comes down to this. Are you going to stick? 
You know, there's plenty of people that come along and they're a, they're a, a bright fire, a bright light for a little while, but they don't last. But the ones that endure, you know, those are the ones that God uses. God's not looking around thinking, oh man, if I could just find somebody that has a lot of talent or a lot of this or a lot of that. You know what God's looking for? Faithful people. That's another word for endurance. Faithful people. God don't, it don't matter what kind of talents you have. Do you think God's up there going, oh my gosh, if I could just find somebody, you know, I could do some things. <laughs> he doesn't need your talent anyway. What he needs is your faithfulness. That's what he's looking for. Be faithful. Be faithful. And then here's the last thing. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. That's another thing trials do is they reveal what's in here. You know, trials, here's the deal with them. They can grow your faith, but they'll also show whether you have faith or not. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when, Christ, when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. See, we have a choice. You don't have a choice about what happens to you in life, but you do get to choose how you react to it. And you can react with faith, and you can react with endurance, and you can react with faithfulness, or you can choose to run. And there's all kinds of ways to run. You can see it as an excuse to go do things that, well, you know, you don't know what's going wrong. That's why I do this. Or you can choose to trust God and allow Him to mold you even more into the image of His Son during a difficult time. That's your choice. You get to choose that. God gave us a will. Now, His will is His will. But He gave us the ability to choose and what you choose in the face of, of trials and of difficulties is going to be the greatest determining factor in what you do and who you become down the road. You know, my son, he plays baseball, and, you know, there's times I'm, I'm proud of the way he plays, and I'm proud of the way he does, whatever. But you know, I'll tell you what? the moment that I was the most proud of him on the baseball field, he made a, a diving stop from first base. I mean, really laid out for it. Made a catch, tried to get a double play. Couldn't get up in time, but he, he laid out for it. Later on, he caught one deep in the hole and ran over and dove at first and got an out. And then, then, he, then he went in and he, he, he got a single, drove a run in, got around the third, and the, the ball got past home plate, and I mean, he went down head first, collision with the catcher and everything. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to take him to the hospital, all that. 
But let me tell you why I was proud of him for those things. Because at the time, his team was in pool play and they were down 10 to nothing. And the game meant nothing. There was still going to be a bracket. You know, if you know anything about baseball tournaments, they, they all play games and that decides where they start out in the actual tournament. And so that game meant nothing. And we had no chance. It was the bottom of the last inning. The time limit was up. They were just finishing the inning because we were home. We had no chance to win. But I was prouder of him for that than any ring he might have earned in a, in a tournament because he wouldn't quit and he competed and tried to the very end. And that made me prouder of him than anything else. And yeah, I know I'm bragging on my kid a little bit, sorry. It fit. And you know what? Here's the deal. When we get to heaven, you think God's up there, oh man, you were so successful, I'm proud of you for being successful. No. You know what? All these gonna, here's the greatest compliment you can get from God is well done, good and faithful servant. You see, that's what gets the eyes of God. That's what gets the attentions of our Father. It's not success, it's faithfulness. It's refusing to quit. It's choosing to trust Him even when it doesn't look good. It's choosing to be faithful to Him even when it feels like and looks like you're losing. It's being faithful through that. That's what counts. It ain't the result. It's not the final score. It's being faithful. And we can all do that. Is be faithful. Now, here's the main thing. That all begins with a relationship with Jesus. It's not about the stuff you accomplish or the stuff you do. Faithfulness is important. It's being faithful to Him. But we're saved, just like that passage was telling us. You know, one of the amazing truths from that is, it said, look, you know, yeah, maybe somebody would die for a really good person. But this is how much God loved you, is that Christ Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. What that means is, no matter how much God's molded you now and how much more you look like Him now, He died for you when you were at your worst moment. Now, all of us, anybody who's a, been a believer for any amount of time, I bet there's something you wish you could go back and, and man, you know, yeah, I've messed up here and there, but there's that one thing, golly, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I could go back and undo that. That's the moment when you were at your worst that Christ died for you. That's how much He loves you. He loves you enough, so much, that He didn't die for you at your best. He died for you at your worst while you were yet a sinner. And here's the thing. There's three things you got to do to accept that forgiveness that comes with Jesus dying on the cross. Number one, you got to admit you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And our part, what is it? It's to repent of our sins, turn away from them, and turn to Christ. We got to admit that we're sinners. Number two, you got to believe that Jesus is God's son. He wasn't just some guy, he's God's son. 
He died on the cross for your sins, and He rose on the third day according to Scripture. And then the last thing, and this is in faith, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. When you come to Christ, it's confessing Him as Lord. You're trusting Him as Savior and confessing Him as Lord. That from now on, you know what? I'm going to live according to your will and according to your way. Now, you will fail at that because none of us are going to be made perfect until we see Jesus on the last days. We'll fail. And so there's no point in trying to, well, I need to go get some things cleaned up so I'm not as bad when I come to Him. You come to Him however you are because as bad as you could possibly be at any moment, that's who He died for. Those are the sins that He gave Himself for. You can't fix them and then come to Him. You come to Him and then you're forgiven. And then He begins to give you the strength to be set free from whatever it is that binds you. So that's what it means to begin a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't know Him, we want to give you the opportunity to do that today. So what I'm going to do is anyone that would like to know your sins are forgiven, that you have peace with God, you've been declared righteous, if you'd like to know that, and if you'd like to know that you have a hope that will never disappoint and that will last for eternity, including living with Him in heaven forever, I want to lead you in just a brief prayer of salvation. So I'm going to ask that everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to pray this prayer. You can repeat it after me or pray it in your own words. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it in your heart. But pray it with me right now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. And thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life and cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, without anybody looking around, I want to ask, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, I want to ask one thing of you. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. All I want you to do, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want you to look up at me because I'd love to pray for you to end the service. If you prayed that prayer today, just look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you. Okay? All right? Okay. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. It's important you tell someone. John will be here. He's going to dismiss us uh, in a few moments from the service. And, and you can come to him and just tell him, hey, I prayed that prayer to receive Christ. And we can either talk to you today or, or we'll set up a time. And what we want to do is answer any questions you might have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We're not going to ask you for anything. You don't owe us anything. You don't even have to come back to church here. You're welcome to. We'd love to have you. But we just want to help. And it's important that you tell someone. Or if you'd rather, there's a number on the screen. You can just text, I did it to that number. And we'll text you back and set up a time to talk on the phone 
or in person. It won't take very long, but we'd love to be able to just encourage you and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. If you're interested in church membership, you can text member to that number and we'll get with you and set up a time to talk about what it means to be a member of our church. And we'd love to do that as well. So right now, I want to pray for those that trusted Christ. I want to pray for all of us. I know some of you are going through that tough time right now that God will give you strength. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your love. Father, thank you for those that professed in faith, Father, their, their, their belief in you. And Father, I just pray that you strengthen them, give them courage. Um, Father, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey to a relationship with you. Father, thank you for all the ways that you, you use even the difficult times in life, Father, to make us to be more like Jesus, to strengthen our faith, and to work those things to good. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.